Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. All the dad, fathers, men in the house, happy Father's Day to you. It's your day, man, right? Um, families, please don't make the dad go fix the house or mow the grass on Father's Day, but uh, make sure that um, they do something fun and cool that they want to do today. Please honor your, uh, your, your, your dad's day. Um, also, too, special prayer to all those who don't uh, have their dad with them today. We're also praying for you. I lost my dad 369 days ago, and so, um, you know, I, I definitely know that, that day, so we're praying for you. Um, next week, something important I'll make, make you guys aware of is next Saturday at 6 p.m. It's Saturday. So say Saturday because you're like, what? nothing happens on Saturday. Holy Thrive. Um, we're having Farrell Hardison. He is a pastor of The Bridge in North Carolina. Um, and you can check that out. Google it, Bridge in Goldsboro, North Carolina. He's going to be coming on Saturday night to come and just share with us on what a life-giving church is to their community. Pastor Farrell's a mentor of mine. He exceeds me. He's uh, way up there. <laughs> He's like older than I am. You, most of you guys know I'm, 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 I'm 24 years old. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but he is, uh, he's been at the same church for over 30 years in eastern North Carolina. Started the Southern Gospel Country Church. And now they are, are impacting Princeton and Goldsboro in amazing ways. Multi-site. And he's been there the whole time at that church. And he's seen it transition. They uh, just built a brand new building. And uh, he's a mentor to me. And I asked him to come in on Saturday night. Would he come in and just share with uh, the folks that want to come listen, especially our leaders. But I consider everybody a leader. It's just some of y'all just haven't accepted the call yet. And um, he's going to come share Saturday Saturday at 6 p.m. We'll have some worship, some time for him to share. And then Sunday, he's going to preach here at Thrive. And yes, I will be here at Chesterfield, so don't be ducking out because I'll be looking for you. Um, and so I will be here at Chesterfield on, on Saturday, on Sunday morning. He will be speaking here as well. So if you can make that, please um, please come out next week. It's going to be really cool to have Pastor Farrell uh, come in from North Carolina, my stomping grounds, and share with you. Also, too, today, Dad, man, before you leave, get your gift, right? We have a gift for you. And um, I think you will like it. We really deliberated on what dads would like the most and we worked hard at that so hopefully you will enjoy the gift. Well, go ahead and turn in your copy of God's Word if you have it with you today to Luke 15 11. The Gospel of Luke 15 11. We're going to look at a very familiar passage of scripture today. My dad lost his dad when he was 13 years old. My grandfather was a game warden in Engold, North Carolina, and um, he came up dead. And there was a whole conspiracy, um, if you read on about, about why that happened, people were killing game wardens because they were catching people doing illegal things, and he was part of that group that got killed. And my dad was the youngest of four brothers, and so he never really knew his dad at, a, at, at the level that his brothers knew um, his dad. And throughout my dad's life, when he would make mistakes and do really stupid things, and he would do that, um, he would say, he would just say, son, I don't know how to be a dad. I'm doing the best I know to do. I never had one. And I'm doing all that I know to do. And he had said that on multiple occasions. And as he got older, I kept saying, you're getting pretty good at it. Um, you're like fine wine. You get better with age. And um, I would encourage him. But when my dad died last year, I was able to sit with him in his, on his deathbed. And I don't know if he could hear me or not. We don't know with, with the things that he was going on, the, the drugs and things that they had in the system. But I told him, I said, dad, you are an awesome dad. And I'm so proud to be your son. And you did a terrific job. And you were a great model for me. See, I feel so many times that men, especially like, and, and we don't mean to do this, but we are kind of sometimes harsh on men at church. You need to step up. You need to be the spiritual leader. You need to do this. You need to do that. And we're like, ah, oh, I'm tired. I 
just work 13 hours. Yeah, I'm short when I get home from work. And I don't want to talk to people. And, I'm, and, and so many times we are harsh on men. Today, I want to take a different approach and a different route as I share with you. I think many of you today feel like my dad felt. I'm just doing the best I can do. I'm making mistakes. I've made mistakes. And doggone it, I'm doing the best job that I can do. There's probably times that you are too harsh when you realize that you probably shouldn't have been that harsh, right? There's times when you're distant from your family when you know you should have been closer to them, right? There's times when you're probably too compassionate when you should have been harsh. And if you're a man in here, um, women, despite popular thinking, that stuff actually sticks with us. Do you think men are like kind of like numb sometimes? We don't think about it. We do. We dwell on it. And what happens though, the more that a man feels like he's not good enough, the more he backs away from the situation because no man likes doing anything they're not good at. That's good right there. So you get that? No man likes doing anything they're not good at. Look at your hobbies. You're good at them. Or you're practicing to be good at them. And I want you to realize today, my my heart for you on Father's Day is to realize this. There's one perfect father, and that's our father in heaven. Dads, you're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say the wrong things. You're going to do the wrong things. You're going to discipline when you should, and you're going to discipline when you should. You're going to mess up. And I want to give you freedom in that. Because you probably hold yourself to such a high standard and some of you that are older in life have kids who are, who are older and, and maybe they've not turned out like you want them to and you think, what did I do wrong? You're thinking on Father's Day, some of you may not get calls from your kids. Maybe they're out there on, you know, charting their own path and you're feeling like, what did I do wrong? It could have been that you didn't do anything wrong and you've got to be okay with that. There is one perfect father and that's our father in heaven. And here's what you have to do. We need to look at his model and let the spirit of God empower us to do the best we can do in all of our situations. Was it the right decision? I don't know. That's not for you to worry about. Do the best that you can do. And what I want to do is show you a very familiar passage of scripture that you've heard uh, many times. And it has three major characters in it. There's a, a father and there's two sons. There's an older son and a younger son. Now granted, I've, when I've preached this passage, I have preached all three at different times. But today I felt led to share with you um, from the Lord about the father and the story of the prodigal son. And sometimes we look at the son as the prodigal son, but I want to look at the patient father today and what he did. And so look at Luke 15, 11. This is Jesus speaking to the onlookers. He says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your state now before you die. That's pretty tough, isn't it? I wish you were dead. That's harsh language to this father. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Imagine Las Vegas. That was the first century Las Vegas. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. See, I I put on uh, through Proverbs week, I put on Facebook. Sometimes people need to get hungry enough and then they'll, 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 they'll change. But I won't preach that today. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Let me tell you something, young people in life, nobody's going to give you anything. Nobody's going to give you anything. 
Young people, don't be looking down and, and, and get on Facebook. Look at me. Nobody will give you anything in life, right? All right. I got one amen. We'll keep going. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as just a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And I love this. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now, I I personally believe that that father walked out to his porch or whatever it was, and he actually was waiting for that young man. I believe that, because, you know, if he was far off and he was working in the fields, you don't have time to be looking up, right? I believe that father was waiting for him with anticipation that one day his son would return. Some of you are waiting for your children to return to the Lord. And let me encourage you, never stop looking out. Never stop praying, uh, because God will do that for you. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. That poor boy didn't have any shoes. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party begin. That's what we're going to do on July 19th is have a party at church for those who have come back because every time somebody repents and turns to the Lord Jesus, heaven has a party. Amen. Yes, in the Bible there and Jesus shows again here in this passage. And so his father... Excuse me, I'm neglect there. Um, so the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Now this is key here. Look, look at verse 28. Would not go in. His father came out and begged him. See, let me tell you something. You should never be jealous and covetous of your brothers and sisters in Christ when God blesses them. That's, that's an epidemic. See, you can find people who can rejoice with you when you're pitiful, but you can't find those who rejoice with you when you're blessed sometimes. And we've got too much of that stuff in, in the body of Christ going on where, where they're upset and won't talk and all those, all those things. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and you never once refused to do a single thing you told, uh, and never refused to do a single thing you told me to and in all that time you never gave me even one goat for a feast with my friends who wants a goat I don't like goat uh, do y'all that's a weird request no it's first century that's why it's weird yeah when his the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes you celebrate by killing the fatted calf his father said to him look dear son you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. See, in this passage, you see a beautiful heart here, the heart of God. You actually see the New Testament God. You see Jesus portraying God as a loving, caring father. In the Old Testament, he wasn't a loving, caring father. He was Elohim. He was the creator. He was king of kings. He was, he was just that to people. You couldn't really understand him in the Old Testament. Remember, his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, that's not New Testament because New Testament says we have the mind of Christ. And you can understand what God's doing through his revealed word and through the spirit of God. So, the God of the 
Old Testament was far off and hard to be known and too holy to be approached and only priests could do it with the God of the New Testament. When Jesus comes and makes provision for us, now he's approachable, he's available, he's loving, compassionate, kind, and personable. And one thing that you see here in this passage is is, it's a trilogy. This is the the last of three stories that Jesus told. And the first was of a lost sheep. And the shepherd goes back to find that one sheep that was missing. And later you see in in the second part of this trilogy, Jesus shares about a lady who lost a coin. Swept her whole house clean and found that one coin. Some of y'all have found coins while you're cleaning too, right? You ever done that? (laughs) Yeah. And then he he caps it off by this intriguing story of a father and two sons. And what was interesting here was, and we'll look at this a little later, is that this father had attributes that first century fathers didn't have. In the first century, the Middle East, fathers didn't do the things that you're going to see this father, what he did. So Jesus uncovers a view of God in light of grace that no other world religion has. Don't you tell me Islam and Christianity are the same. Read it, baby, and come talk to me. Read it. He's not personable. You have to go pray and kneel and bow. You have to, you have to. Our God's a loving, caring, personable God. Full of grace, mercy, and compassion. That's not what other religions teach. That's what's unique to Christianity. The doctrine of grace is unique. See, every other world religion is human achievement. What can you do to get to heaven? Maybe you tip the scales and you're good enough. Christianity is the only religion that says it's not by what you did, but what Jesus did. It's divine accomplishment, not human achievement. As you study world religions, come back and talk to me about that. Because I guarantee they'll be in one or two categories and all the rest are how good can you be, what can you do good, and here is that Jesus did it for you and now you participate in what he did on the cross. See, we have a father epidemic in America. Why don't you listen to these stats? According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 24 million children in America, one out of every three live in biological father absent homes. One study shows this. Children born to single mothers show higher levels of aggressive behavior than children born to married, uh, married, married mothers with a, with a father living in the household. A study of 109 juvenile offenders indicated that family structure significantly predicts delinquency. And children in father-absent homes are almost four times more likely to be poor. Now, let me say this. Some of you today are single moms and you're doing everything you can do, all right? I believe God will give you the grace that you need as you raise your child. Hear me on that. Don't look at this and get condemned. Um, You didn't choose that man being deadbeat, all right? So I believe if you're a single mom in here, do all you can. My goal is to show you today how important fathers are to our generation. And realize this as we go through this. The only perfect father is our father in heaven. Here's the first attribute that God models for us. And we need to grab onto this here. And whether you're a mother, whether you're a father, whether you're an uncle, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're just a, a, a guardian, whatever you are to that, that person, take these principles. These aren't just for fathers, so don't be checking out today. But I want to look at what does that father in the prodigal son story show us. Here's the first attribute that he shows us. The importance of a legacy. Write in your notes the importance of a legacy. And it's to leave them something behind. 
See, the father in this story left behind money to his children. The Bible says that, that, um, that, that, that a, a blessed man will leave his children's children an inheritance. And so he was able to do that. He left something behind. See, God, our Father, has left something behind for us. When Jesus ascended and went to heaven to, to sit at the right hand of God, he left the Holy Spirit for us. And so you have, you have God's Spirit. That's, that's a blessing. That's your inheritance that the Lord has left for you to seal you into the day of redemption, to empower you. So even our good Father has left us something good on earth, right? And we should be looking and thinking about what will I leave my family behind with? Because one day, um, somebody's going to preach your funeral. And while they're eating potato salad and baked beans 15 minutes after the graveside, they're going to talk about you. The question is, what will they say? And you've got to think about right now, I'm thinking about this, what legacy will I leave behind? Here are some things that, that, that um, my dad left me and you can leave your children. It's transferable skills. If you have a skill in something, anything, teach them that skill. Teach them that skill. They learn from you. Carry them out and teach them something. The second thing is knowledge. My dad shared a lot of financial knowledge with me. I didn't understand economics and, and finance and business. And my dad would sit at the, the little bar called the Seagram 7 bar. My dad wasn't a believer. And as, the more he would drink, the more he would talk. And, but you know, I mean, I sat there for three hours one night and I learned a whole lot about business. He ran a multi-billion dollar company. I learned so much about business that I would not have learned if, you know, without him sharing that with me. Sports, man. Some of y'all, y'all, y'all know I love sports. I'm excited. Dawson is 97th in weight and 90th percentile in height. This means that on a trajectory, Dawson will be taller and bigger than I am, and he's only four months old. No, y'all ain't got no clue how a five foot, five and a half guy had to start all the sports in high school. I had to work super hard at that. And I played offensive line as well. So um, just go out there and share with him. My dad did not get a chance to teach me a whole lot. That was the tragedy of probably our relationship. I loved him, but he worked a whole lot. And granted, he, actually he had to. Another story for another time. But I remember the three times he showed me stuff in basketball. I never forgot it. Yeah. How important it is that you spend time and you show them something. You share with them. Right? You, 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 you pass on to them what you know. I remember sports stories. His, his nickname was Sprankle because he, he sprained his ankle. And he had to play on a sprained ankle. And the coach said, get over it. Your nickname's Sprankle. So everybody at Union in that, that county knew he was Sprankle. I remember those things of what uh, Dad shared with me. Financial help to those who are coming behind you. Do not build your empire so big you leave nothing behind for your children. My dad lived in an 850 square foot house. Worked, he was the, the vice president of operations for a multi-billion dollar company in an 850 square foot house. He got new carpet two years before he died. He carefully calculated everything that he bought. He, didn't, he never owned his own car. We didn't have three or four car payments and things went up and credit cards. He was very smart. And when my dad left, guess what he left? He left me and my brother something for us that now I can bless my child with. Think about that when you're making decisions. What legacy will you leave behind? And the most important legacy that you can leave is godliness and holiness. Be a father that gets caught praying. Don't get caught with your pants down, dads. Get caught on your knees praying. John Maxwell records his father, Melvin Maxwell, um, that in his office, there was, there was carpet that was worn out and there was two places where his dad Melvin would pray every morning for hours and he, he caught his dad on multiple occasions praying for his family 
be that. Leave godliness. Leave holiness. That's what my grandfather left me. And today I'm actually called uh, Little Papa because Papa was a preacher and he was real rough. And they call me Little Papa because I guess I'm a preacher and I'm, I'm really rough. So um, they, they call me that. Here's the second attribute you see from the story of this father. Not only did he leave a legacy for his child, but the second thing was he had the patience of a farmer. He had the patience of a farmer. And, and as you read is that um, this story gets overwhelmed by the mistakes of the prodigal son. But let's draw our attention to the fact that instead of the, uh, of the mistakes of the prodigal son, we see a father that was patient, that waited, that waited. He was very patient on his child. See, life is full of seasons. And I'm going to tell you something. My dad stood beside me in court several occasions for drug charges and alcohol charges. Threatening to kill teachers at universities. I, was, I wasn't a good kid. If you don't give me that grade, I'm tell you what, I'm gonna go up there and I'm gonna kill you. That's what I did. And man, they kicked me out of college. Don't you ever come back? That led me to Jesus Christ. That pushed me to Jesus. Thank the Lord. Amen. And Dad was patient. Now, now realize with that patience. Some of y'all read my Facebook post the other day. Is that you know he he, he cussed me out on occasion too, and I needed it. And um, he and he threatened the army many times, and he gave me ultimatums. You have two weeks to get a job, or you're out of my house. Right. right? Sometimes children need that. They don't need to be 38 years old living at home playing Halo till 4 a.m., eating all your food up and you can't pay bills. Did I just say that? And that's on recording. Guys, that, that's the anointing because when the anointing shows up, that's what happens, right? Run with patience is what the writer of Hebrews tells us. Run with patience with their... That brat at 13 may blossom into somebody at 18 that is doing things for the kingdom of God. Be patient with them. See, there, there are many children that need the patience and forgiveness of their father. That need patience and forgiveness. and need to be told, I forgive you. There's a Spanish story of a father and a son who became estranged. And the son ran away and the father set off to find him. He searched for months for no avail. And finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. That was from Paul Harvey. They, they need the patience of a farmer. They need a legacy, but they also need the patience of a farmer that will know that seasons come and seasons go. And here's the, the third and final attribute we see from this father. the power of being a friend. The power of being a friend. See, that, that father, in the first century, you've got to realize something in the first century. Middle Eastern men wore tunics. It was like a, almost like a dress type thing. And these men didn't run because, ladies, y'all can tell us. I don't know. I don't know. Is it easy to run in a dress? No. If it was, you see track stars doing it. They don't, so it's not. But this father in his tunic takes off and runs toward his son. Isn't that beautiful? Could you imagine dust kicking up, undignified to run, and he fell on him and he loved him and he kissed him. See, children need this first. They need parents to be parents first, right? But they also need their parents to be friends. They also need their parents to be friends. To be a good friend to them. 
And many times that's what children are looking for in their, their father. See, they need to know that dad accepts them and they have dad's approval. They need to know their dad is not just an instructor, but he's also a friend. Spending quality time with your children is more important than anything else you'll ever do. More important. If your father is alive today and you have a relationship with him, go spend time with your father. It matters. There's a story of Charles Francis Adams, the 19th century political figure and diplomat. He kept a diary. And one day he entered in his diary, I went fishing with my son today. It was a day wasted. Much work needed to be done. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary, which is still in existence. And on that same day Brooke Adams made his entry, his son did, he said, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. What the father thought was a waste of time was a blessing to that son. Friends, today we see in that account of the prodigal son, we see a loving father. We see a father that was patient, that left a legacy, and that was a friend when it come down to it, that would show compassion. If you have a daughter, let me tell you this, man, if you have a daughter, she needs your love. She needs your hugs. She needs your kisses. She needs you to take her on a date and show her what a real man is. Because if you don't do it, some little joker, listen to me, some little joker who cannot afford a cheeseburger is going to try to show her love in a back seat. It's your responsibility to show her love. And I close here with this story. The importance of a father. A young man was to be sentenced to the penitentiary. The judge had known this guy from childhood. And he was well acquainted with this child's father. This young man's father. His father was a famous legal scholar. And the author of an exhaustive study in law entitled The Law of Trust. All the judges knew him. All the lawyers knew him. He was a well-known man. The judge said to this young man, Do you remember your father? I remember him well, your honor. Came the reply. Then trying to probe the offender's conscience, the judge uh, said, As you are about to be sentenced, as you think of your wonderful dad who did so many things for law, what do you remember most clearly about him? And there was a deep pause from the young man. Then the judge received an answer he had not expected. He said, I remember when I went to him for advice. He looked up for me from the book he was writing. He said, run along, boy, I'm busy. When I went to him for companionship, he turned away saying, run along, son. This book must be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer, but I remember him as a lost friend. He finished the book, but lost his son. Today, I want to encourage you, as you look at the story of the prodigal son, take time as a family. Whatever you have to do, whatever it takes, dads, you matter. You matter. Do you hear me? You matter. Single moms in here, if you're saying, well, what do I do? God will give you the grace. And there are are, are people at this church that will come alongside your child and help them and pour into them. Amen? Let me pray for you. Stand to your feet. And maybe today you're sitting in here. You bow your head and close your eyes. I just want the, the Lord to speak to your hearts, the Holy Spirit to minister to you. 
maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, Kevin, I feel like I've not done any of those things. I feel like as a dad, there's areas that I failed. And I want to encourage you right where you're standing today that the Lord can restore the years the locusts have eaten up. He can make the sun stand still. He can make, listen, I'm telling you, He can restore whatever you believe is lost. There are some of you parents in here today that are waiting on your children, just like the the patient father in the story of the prodigal son, for your child to come home, for your child to come back to Jesus. And you're looking intently every day. You're saying, I just wish they would come back to you, Lord. I want to pray for everybody in this place today. I'm not going to ask for even a show of hands, because I believe today every one of us has been affected on Father's Day. And I want to pray for you right where you're standing. You can posture yourself by lifting hands, opening hands up. You can sit, stand, kneel, whatever you need to do. I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you. As we read the story of the prodigal son, it's not just a story of a human father, but it's the story of you, our heavenly father, who loves us, who cares for us, who is patient with us. And Father, we pray today